Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to keep a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Vivian. Thank you, Leslie. I'm Vivian. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Vivian. Um, first, I want to thank Susan G. for asking me to speak. I have been abstinent since January 4th, 1983. Wow. From sugar, which was... Um, so if you ever ask me, is there a God? I mean, obviously. <laughs> because I could not stop eating sugar. Um, I am... The type of compulsive overeater that went every single day, I had to have something sweet. Um, I I looked at menus. I said, "Give me the dessert menu first. Um, I didn't care so much about savory things. I even sometimes I would try and be home and not have sweet syrup, and I would even go into the sugar jar. You know, I I just couldn't I couldn't stop. Um, so I'm going to tell you what it was like. And now, by the way, to give you some hope, my life is nothing about eating sweets. It's, um, it's all the things that I really wanted it to be. Um, I'm, really, I'm in a really good place and a really good period in my life. And so if you're out there and you think, I don't know if this will work, I don't know if it's worth it. To me, it's absolutely been worth it. I'm so glad, so grateful that I've stayed here for 36 years. And I hope I stay here until, you know, my last dying day frankly. So what it was like, I mean, I grew up, I was born in New York City. I, uh, both my parents also born in the city. I remember my earliest memories of food or eating, sitting on the floor eating pickles and potato chips in front of the television. And it was like, when you're little, or at least when I was little, I used to get up really early. Now, like, now somebody just asked me to speak at seven in the morning. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I can't do that. I won't be there. Um, but thank you, Ahuva. Um, I, but I used to go up at 6 in the morning, and I'd have a bag of um, dill pickles, uh, a jar, actually, of dill pickles on the left side of me, and a bag of Lay's potato chips on the right side of me. And it would just be like sugar, uh, like uh, salt, crunch, salt, crunch, and just zone out. This is what food does for me. I zone out. I am out of reality. I... I go into the movie in my head. It makes me feel soothed. Um, so that's my earliest memories. I also remember that I was oh, I always thought I was fat. And when I look and and when I look at pictures of me when I was little, I was not fat. Um, I but I felt like I was. I remember going on a diet really early, like in grade school. And I remember getting pneumonia when I was 14 and being so happy to have pneumonia. Because you go to, I basically, I went to bed for two weeks. I woke up and I'd lost 10 pounds. How great is that? You know, for a compulsive reader, if I could have re-injected myself with that bacillus for the rest of my life, uh, I, there's no doubt in my mind I would have done that. So, I, so anyway, I, I remember, I remember when I was little, I, or not little, I was in like junior high. I was like a size size five, but I still thought I was too fat. I would look in the mirror and think, uh, 
gosh, I remember looking in the mirror once in this black and pink silk outfit, and at first I thought I looked okay. Then I thought, well, let me take another look, because I can't look okay to me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my butt's too big, my, you know, my this, my that, my stomach. I was self-obsessed, and, I, and it never felt like enough. Like, what I look like never felt like enough. I was also a very nervous child. Um, sugar, for some people, sugar makes them go um, jump out of their chair and start doing a dance. You know, not me. Sugar makes me go to sleep. It calms me down. Uh, I used to sleep a lot. I used to sleep like um, 10, 12 hours a day, and it also gave me terrible sinus headaches. So there's a part in the big book where it talks about, um, in the doctor's opinion, our allergy to, to alcohol. I personally, I have an allergy to sugar. I used to take Sinutab like every day in my life um, until I stopped eating sugar in this program. So you may think, you may look at me now, like if you're on the podcast, I have, I'm a normal weight now. But So you may think, oh, I've never had a problem. Well, I did. I, you know, I do a lot of work to stay like this. I... I and it's still worth it to me. I sponsor a lot of people. I love that. Um, you know, I when things are tough, I work this program. When things get tough, I just do more program. And that works for me. But anyway, um, so I came out to California. So I, I wasn't in program yet. I graduated college. I, um, I used to, you know, even my junior year abroad, just to give you another example, I would go to two restaurants a day. I would just go to the early sitting at lunch, and then I would go to a late lunch, because I figured, who would know? You know, who would see me? There was just never enough food to soothe me, because I was always very nervous. Uh, I am cross-addicted, and every, every single substance, I, I would say, my other substances are alcohol and men. And both of them were to regulate the way I felt about myself. Like men were like to make me my ego, really, to make me feel better. And it was a lot of um, romantic in my head, and not really anything about reality at all. And alcohol, but it was also like sugar was just like to calm me down, just to make me feel less nervous about life. Anyway, I came out here, so I did my junior year abroad in London, England, and I, I met some uh, a, a person from here who I became very good friends with. She was from L.A., so I came to visit her, and I never thought I would like L.A. at all. You know, I came with, if you've ever seen the New Yorker magazine, there's a famous uh, cover where there's like, you know, New York, you know, like, you know, nothing in the middle, um, you know. Europe, somewhere over here, and like California, a little tiny thin sliver, but nobody really cares, like New York, just big New York. And that, and I thought California was the land of fruit and nuts. Just, I would watch Johnny Carson on TV and think, don't you guys know the big earthquake is coming? <laughs> like, why are you staying there? You're all insane. And, but I came to visit her just, um, just to really to sneer at people. I really did not think I would like it here at all. Uh, I went to Venice Beach, and I thought, this is exactly what I thought California would be like. A guy juggling chainsaws, um, and just a lot of really crazy surface-type people. But I felt that that's not really true. Anyway, I got here, and within an hour, I just felt there was a freedom here in Los Angeles, and I liked it within an hour. 
I felt like I could do anything I wanted to do and nobody would judge me. I just had a feeling like that. Like, in New York, you can do whatever you want, but they know you're crazy. <laughs> you know? And, and you must be from New York. <laughs> so, like, there's just much more judgment. Here they're like, oh, I want to build a castle. Let's just put it in the neighborhood. Like, no one would ever do that. You're like, you're... People would ostracize you. Here, nobody cares about anything. So I, I, I like the freedom over here. And I ended up staying here, and I, I started dating somebody who was, um, he was in AA, and I met him at a program dance, and one day he just poked me in the, in the hips, and he was like, you need to go to OA. And everybody always goes, oh, but, I, <laughs> but I tell you, it didn't even really hurt my feelings because I used food to um, cushion myself from feeling bad. So I didn't even really recognize that I felt bad, but I recognized it was like, there's a place for me. I thought, good, there's a, there's a solution that's like Alcoholics Anonymous. I just knew, I knew AA worked. I don't know how I knew about AA because I am from a time when there was no internet, there was only television. So I, I didn't know anyone in OA and program or anything like that, but I knew that it worked. So I thought, oh, if I come to uh, this program based on Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, this is going to work for me. So I started going and I worked it. Here is, if you're wondering, like, how do you stay abstinent? There may be people out there wondering, how do you stay abstinent? This is how I do it. Um, I work it really hard. Like, I'm trying to get an A. <laughs> like, I'm in class and I want to ace this. <laughs> so I get, um, I came to, I was told, come to meetings early and get commitments. A commitment, if you're new, is a little job that you, that you get that brought me to the meeting. I got commitments. Um, I, they said, stick with the winners. I'd never heard about that in my entire life. But I used to do that. I'd be like, to me, that was study with the smart people. You'll get an A. You know, that usually works. If I study with the smart people, stick with the winners, I'm with people who know how to do it and are doing it and are taking it seriously. So I, I got a sponsor. I remember um, I was working with her. Her name was Barbara Z. If anyone's old enough to remember Barbara Z, she was... She was really funny. She was over 100 pounders. She was in Robert Altman's movie, Popeye. Um, she, uh, she had a great sense of humor. And she didn't think that I had a problem with food because she was so overweight. But we became friends. And she, and she was the first one who sort of introduced me to, um, you know, like she took me to meetings too, but didn't think I needed to go. And then one day we were, at, we were sitting at a table where, there was a, a, a really ugly piece of pie. It was like raisin pie or something on a long table for like holidays. And nobody was eating it. We'd been sitting there for like an hour. And then finally it, it was gone. And she's like, what happened to that pie? I was like, I ate it. Like I couldn't stand that the pie was sitting there all lonely, <laughs> like waiting for someone to eat it. It was just that's, that's how bad my disease is. I didn't even want, I didn't even like that pie, but I needed to have it. It, it shall not be made in vain. Like, uh, yeah. So she became my first sponsor. I remember I was so, she said, she said, I thought you'd never ask. And I was so scared to ask her to be my sponsor. So that's another thing I did. I asked somebody to be my sponsor. And the thing that she told me to do that was so scary was to call her. <laughs> that's it. Just call her every day. I didn't even think she gave me a specific time. She just said, call me every day. And I remember walking around the living room in my apartment, holding the phone, because then 
we had tethered phones, young people. And, and you would hold it, and the cord was long, and I was sort of walking in a circle. And then finally, you know, I picked up the phone, and I'm like, hello, Barbara. She's like, yes. She goes, I go, hi, it's Vivian. She goes, are you okay? I go, yeah. She goes, okay, call me tomorrow. Click. <laughs> and that was it. And I was like, oh, my God, I was sweating bullets for that call. And that was all, that was all it was. It was just she wanted me to check in. I got commitments, and within... I want to say a few months. I didn't get abstinent right away. She su- suggested to me that I get off sugar. She suggested, and I, at that point, they didn't call it a food plan. They just called it abstinence. She su- that suggested my abstinence to me. She goes, because she had watched me eat. She watched me eat that piece of raisin pie. And she, she, she saw me eat. We, we worked together. And she said to me, well, why don't you have sh- no sugar as your abstinence? I was like, oh, Barbara, I can't. Uh, and, and, she, and I meant it. And she goes, well, she was so smart. She goes, some people can change it and take it back after a while. Now, some people, they start out not eating sugar, and then they can eat sugar later. And I was like, really, Barbara? And she said, yeah, really. But she knew, never you. Like, Vivian, forget it. She was thinking in her head. But she was smart enough never to say that to me. I was like, okay. And I reached out to God. She told me, they told me here, pray. I came here as an agnostic. If anyone doesn't believe in God, um, I didn't believe in God when I came here. Then again, I did not believe in God either. To me, it was like this endless argument that could be right, could be wrong. There's good examples for either side, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. So, but they told me, this is what I needed to do. And I thought, well, at least I've never done this before. I've done like every diet there is in every Cosmo magazine, every other magazine you can ever think of. But I've never tried, like if you put me in a room for a million years, I'd never say, reach out to God. Maybe that's the way to do it. So they said, she said, just talk to God. Just, you just pretend he's there. And I remember I felt embarrassed. I felt like, I hope no one hears me. And I'd be like, just in my head and sort of aloud, God, please help me. And the first time, the, my first day of abstinence, if anyone's having, who's here is under a year? Raise your hand. Good. Okay, excellent. Okay, the first time, um, you know how when you have under a year, you don't have really much to lose. So if you get a day and then you break it the next day, not such a big deal. But I was, so I did that a few times. And then one day I was in this um, restaurant called Cafe Casino that had a lot of French desserts in their um, pastry shelf. And I walked in because, you know, sugar's my thing. I looked at the desserts, and then I remember, you know, I'm supposed to pray. So I was like, you know, God, please help me not to eat these. And it wasn't like I felt like I was struck by lightning at all. It's just that I ended up walking out of Cafe Casino. And that turned out to be my first day of abstinence. And then it gradually became that, do I mind, and this is why it's a a day-at-a-time program, do I mind if I don't eat sugar today? And I thought, no, I don't mind if I don't eat it today. That is a miracle. That is, that was God in my life. Because you could have told me, you know, years ago, I remember someone saying to me, why don't you just have a sandwich for lunch? And I just looking at her like, ugh. Like, it's not that easy for me. Like, first of all, I'm afraid I'll get fat from the sandwich. And I, I can't, I couldn't do what normal people did. I couldn't eat a normal meal. So... But she made it really easy for me. Um, just no sugar. And sugar, it, my absence became to be very clear. Sugar is a fourth ingredient or more. 
so I so I would count um, one, two, three. If in the first three ingredients there's sugar, I don't eat it. That's still today my abstinence, which came from just my favorite diet dressing, Kraft Creamy Cucumber, which is probably you know, like you know full of chemicals and not on the market anymore. But it helped me to eat salads then because I didn't want to eat any salads. I just wanted all I wanted to have was cheesecake, you know, things like this. Anyway. Um, so I was willing to, again, if you're new, I'm willing, I'm willing, to, and this is easier now, willing to ask in restaurants, you know, what is the ingredient list? And if they don't know, I don't eat it. You know, you know, where is sugar on the list? So I, I started working the steps with her. I, I had commitments, um, which means I did an inventory, uh, and I went to the same meetings. Going to the same meetings has been very important for me. And now, I guess I'm just going to go through, because I'm still abstinent today, sometimes, you know, I like when people talk about weight, because that's why we come here, at least that's why I came here, I did not come here to get spiritual, at all, I came here to not be fat, period, and uh, and to not even think, not think I was fat either, so... The way my food is, first of all, it's never been as bad as when I came in, ever. That was like, I was, I'm about 20 pounds lighter than I was. In fact, I remember my highest weight was 142. Now I do not weigh myself. I haven't weighed myself for years. My, my sponsor told me to throw away the scale a long time ago, and it took me like a month to do it because I was so addicted to seeing how much I weighed and balancing on one side of the scale and then the other side of the scale and, and then in the middle and then which one is true. And, and uh, it was, that was an addiction. But finally, I put it in the, in the dumpster, and I haven't turned back. The only time I'm ever weighed is when I go to the doctor's office. And so my, sometimes I go up a little, uh, when I say a little, I've gone up like 10 pounds when I, um, when I haven't been looking, and then one day I'll put on some pants that don't have elastic in them, and then I'm like, oh my God, I don't fit in these. And then I cut back. Now, for me, cutting back is, you know, here's a couple of examples. Don't eat when I get home after a meeting. That, a lot of times I will gain weight because I'll come back from a meeting because I go to, uh, I go to four meetings a week. Um, now, sometimes, when, when times are bad, you guys, I'm happy going, I've gone to seven meetings a week, and it's fine with me. I've gone to two meetings a week, two meetings in a day many times. Um, oh, people are smiling. Good. That means you do that. So, but it's about working the program. So, I, I forgot where I was, but I went to a lot of meetings a week. Where was I? Not eating after meeting. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the things I will do. Thank you. Not eating after meeting. Or sometimes it'll be like, oh, I've had too much bread at restaurants. Okay, no bread. Or or too many sugar-free things. Because even though uh, sugar is the fourth ingredient or more, you know, California, the leader in so many things, uh, the leader in, you know, fruit juice and, you know, sweetened things that don't have sugar in the, in the first three, but I will still, with my sensitivity, want to eat lots of that a lot of times, like way more than I think, and I start to put weight on. So I cut that out altogether. Now, but the miracle is I was never, I'm able to do that in here. I was never able to do something like that. Like, oh, why don't you just not eat when you get home? Or why don't you just not have um, those fruit juice sweetened desserts or not have bread? You know, I couldn't do that before this program. So this is God working in my life. But, and then I wait for, and then I'll maybe take on an extra sponsee or an extra meeting 
Um, and, and then I just wait. And then I have a lot of patience because patience is a very spiritual quality. This is a slow program a lot of times. Sometimes I have, um, and then sometimes I've actually lost weight in abstinence without even doing anything and not knowing how it happened. Those I always welcome. Um, it's happened a few times where suddenly I realize I've dropped a size and I'm like, how did that happen? And the answer is, I, I, it's not worth me figuring out. You know, I can't figure it out. I just take it and go, okay, that's fine, and, and just keep going. So I think I get into, so that's me and food. Right now I'm pretty happy with, with what I weigh. It goes, you know, a little up and a little down, but it's not like the, I never put on bathing suits before I got here. I wouldn't wear blue jeans. I wore jackets all the time, even when it was blistering hot out. Um, I was always trying to cover myself up, and that doesn't happen anymore. So I think I'll go through some of the, the other things that, that I've gotten through the program, and, and I, will let you, I will let you choose what they are. One is um, relationships. Um, one is um, relationship with my parents. When it, or the most recent one now is, um, well, I had my husband died. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to hear about death, but um, it's in my arsenal <laughs> what to do. And now my parents are older and sick and, like, and uh, dealing with being a kind and loving daughter and not having food you know, influence that. So you may shout out, what would you like to hear about? Or when I stole, like, my best amends from stealing my roommate's mother's engagement ring. Somebody say something. Really? Wow, shocking. Okay. All right, we'll take it. So uh, uh, somebody said dealing with death. Uh, The worst thing that ever happened to me, it's probably the worst thing that ever will happen to me, is my husband died um, in 2005, which is now, I can't believe it, 14 years ago. So... I was in my 40s. He was, um, he had just turned 50, 51. He died of ALS. I, I could barely, there's nothing that compares to death. If anyone has not been through a death, there's just absolutely nothing that compares with it. It's, uh, it's some, somebody's nodding here. It's just so, and you're nodding. It's just, I can't compare it to anything else. It's indescribable, the pain and anger that I felt. But all I did in order, I didn't lose my abstinence. I, that was one of the times I actually um, lost, lost a size and then gained it back. But I, all I did was I kept going to meetings. My sponsees really carried me through. I was so of like 10% service to them. They brought, um, people came and stayed with me. I let people help me. I let people help me. I couldn't stand staying alone in the house after he died because it was just the two of us, and I, I just I hated the idea of it. So people stayed with me on the weekends. I said yes to everybody who tried to help me. Another thing that really helped me was um, I didn't pick and choose who was going to help me. It was always really surprising who ends up helping who ends up helping you, or who ended up helping me during um, when my husband died? I felt like my best friend Leanne would be the help. No, you know she came to my um, husband's um, memorial, and then I never saw her again for the year. But 
God gave me a lot of different people to help me. And it was just my job to say, yes, you know, yes. It's some of them I didn't even know practically, like I worked with them, and I just said yes. And I remember I also had to speak at the OA birthday party right after he died, and I did, and then I thought, it took so much energy for me. I didn't speak again, even in meetings, for like a couple of years, because I just had no strength left. I, I could be, If breathing wasn't involuntary, I would have stopped breathing. It was like, forget about showering. I could barely breathe. So, but I went to work because they said go to work. Anyway, that was me dealing with death. And today, God actually removed the horrible feeling that I had over that um, from me following sponsor direction. She, she just told me, I said, she said, oh, I said, I think I need to be on antidepressants because I don't think God wants me to be this unhappy for this long. And she said, um, well, you can do that, but I have no experience with it. So why didn't you go to more meetings? <laughs> and I just thought, oh my God, not that again. But I did it. I did it. I went to more meetings. I went to somebody's um, birthday party. And two and a half weeks later, God removed this indescribably awful feeling from the death. And it's never come back. It's never come back. And today, and today I'm happily married again which is a, quite a blessing because I never knew how to do relationships at all. So, I think I will go, yes, please. Yeah, give me a suggestion. Go ahead. Oh, my morning routine. You know, I'm not really, I have more of a weekly meeting routine. I'm not someone who has a big um, spiritual practice that I do every single morning. Like Monday, I, here's my weekly routine. Monday is my big meeting day. I go to a morning meeting um, and I go to an evening meeting. I sponsor um, about four, four or five people in the morning and we, they check in with me. And then I go to that afternoon meeting. I go to, and then I go to another evening meeting and on Wednesday and then another evening meeting on Friday. Now, I call my sponsor, I want to say, I want to say once every couple of weeks. It's not every week. Sometimes it's more than a couple of times in a week. Usually to talk about um, problems that, not, not even that I'm having a lot of times. Just I want to go over things, how, you know, how, uh, really more sponsorship problems. What do you, what does she think about this? When I talk to God, you probably want to know how I talk to God. I'm a real, like, uh, if God were to... If you were to ask God, is, is Vivian regular, talk to you regularly? He'd be like, no, she doesn't talk regularly. Um, I really, I talk to God when I'm in my bed. Usually when I'm talking to God, I say thank you. But thank you that I'm, I'm abstinent. Thank you that I have um, a wonderful husband now. Thank you that I have my wonderful dog. Thank you that I, um, I like my work situation. Um, thank you that my... My parents are doing well, um, even though they're getting sick now. Just sort of thank you type of things. And sometimes it's to, to ask for my, my will to be aligned. When, I, when I'm not liking whatever situation I'm in, then I try to go to step three and please align me with your will. That's pretty much my, um, that's my routine. And it seems to work. Believe me, if it didn't work, I'd change it. It seems to be working. I think I'm going to go into, unless anyone has another, um, since I talked about death, I'm going to talk about love, love and death. 
So I was not able to do relationships at all um, before I got here. This was the most baffling thing in the world to me. This was, the, to me, the final frontier was relationship, uh, romantic relationships, not friendships. I, I knew how to do friendships. I knew how to be a good friend. And what, ha- what I realized was it was the only thing that I wasn't giving to God. Like, I thought to do it my way, even though I didn't know what I was doing, tooth and nail forever. And so it, romantic relationships were the only thing, since I didn't give it to God and was trying to do it my way, they went terribly. Now, you may say, what do you mean you didn't give it to God? Well, for instance, in my job, my sponsor said to me, you are, have a terrible attitude, Vivian. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you some direction. I want you to show up on time and smile. And I thought, show up on time? That means I have to be there early. Ah! You know, but I did it. I did it. And I smiled from ear to ear. And I remember this was time when they didn't have, uh, they had zero, big Xerox copiers. And like an entry-level position was for you to copy Xerox and papers, copies and papers. And before she gave me this direction, if they gave me, if my boss gave me something to, to copy, I would say, I'd be like, mm, like, and looking at it and all, all glum-faced and, and reading it and thinking, I'm so much smarter than you. Why don't I do your job? And after, and then also thinking to myself, but please, I hope I don't get it because I don't know if I can actually do it. And then after, when she told me to smile, I was like, I'd be happy to. And I ran to the Xerox machine. I put it on carefully, but fast, but swiftly. And then I did all the copies. I'm like, good work, good work. And then I smiled and gave it back to my boss. And do you know, in that first year, from me taking her direction about jobs, where I gave it to God, I took her direction, they gave me a bonus of $2,000. You know, at a time when I was making like $14,000, because I had a good attitude. She turned my attitude around. So, cause I, so that's a, a good example of me giving it to God. Me not giving it to God. Here's what that looks like. <laughs> I had a lot of fantasy relationships. They were all in my head. And I would date people who... There were very big reasons why it wasn't going to work out. Like, one, they're gay. <laughs> Two, they're... Moving from the country. (laughs) That happened twice. And I would wonder why I was so attracted to them suddenly. I wondered if that had any, you know, if there was a clue behind that. Um, Three, they were very young. They would show up on a skateboard in front of my house. (laughs) And so in other words, there were all these pink elephants in the room, and, and... and I kept trying to control it. With all these things that were impossible, I still kept trying to control it and trying to make it happen. But a lot of times they were only in my head that they were happening. And when I finally surrendered, I went to another program for it, um, Al-Anon, which I'm still going to. And they told me, and they changed me a billion percent because they told me, she, my sponsor said, um, and, and you may say, how does this relate to food? You know, I would eat over things like this. I ate over everything, everything I ate over. And things that are, something like that's very important to me. I ate over or tried to starve a lot. And she said to me, so my sponsor said to me, you don't call. Um, you're not allowed to call because I was keeping things alive. I didn't know by calling. I was like, I thought, isn't that rude? 
like not calling or not calling back. And she's like, no, yeah, just because somebody wants to talk, is it time for something? Ten minutes, thank you. Just because somebody wants to talk to, to you doesn't mean you have to talk to them. This was like revolutionary news for me. A lot of these were. You don't have to express all of your opinions. Really? I thought I was lying if I didn't tell you exactly how I felt about everything, especially if I disagreed with you. So uh, I became willing to take direction and, and to really fast forward to uh, my two my two marriages, which were which have been wonderful. The first one, my and my husband um, didn't call. He said. So I was taking this direction, don't call back. He called me, he left a message. My, this is my late husband, and then he, and he said he would call back. Well, he didn't, so I was like, ah. You know, I almost looked at it like an experiment. Ah, he didn't call back. And that's a big change. And then, but here's the thing. God put in my life the people he wanted in my life, because later on I ended up seeing him somewhere else. And he said, why didn't you call me back? And I said, because you said you would call me back. And he said, oh, okay, you want to go out again? So we ended up getting married anyway, even though I never called him back. You know, even though I took the advice that I would think, that will never work. I was just like out of answers. And like, God couldn't do any worse than I had, basically. That was the conclusion I came to. It would be tough. Let's give him a year, see how he does. So I was watching God, see how he did. And he did pretty well. <laughs> anyway, so I ended up marrying my husband. He very sadly ended up dying. But then it happened again with my, se- with my second husband. My, um, I'm married to now, but we, were, we dated for four years. And then I, I, I started going to um, another program to deal with this because it was just not working out. And then I broke up with him. And I thought, forget it. You know, I never want to see him again. I, th- I dodged a bullet. Thank God, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't paying um, part of the rent. You know, he was, I was just like, I had lost respect. I lost trust for him. I just said, you know, goodbye. I never want to see you again. And for four years, this guy kept trying to get in touch with me. And I was like, no, no, no. I would not answer anything, anything, anything. And then one day, <laughs> when God felt like I was ready, and I was dating people in between, but nothing was happening. But I was showing up. I was just say, hey, nothing's happening. And then um, I, tie, I got a sponsor who said to me, who she heard my whole dating history with him. She goes, you know, there was a reason why this guy didn't pay the rent. You made him very entitled. You were paying for expensive vacations and expensive dinners. No wonder he stopped paying the rent. And I was like, wow, no one ever said that to me before. And I said, you know, you're right. I, I remember doing this with him after my husband died because my husband left me um, some money, and I didn't know what to, really what to do with it, and I didn't realize how to date anymore, and I never did that again. I never paid for myself again, uh, or paid for someone else like after that, because I knew there was something wrong with it. It just didn't it didn't work. So she said, "Why, you know, if why don't you start dating? If you want, you could date him again. It was actually good." I thought, "No, no, no, no." But then finally, I thought, "Okay, internet dating going terribly. All right, you know, this guy that keeps calling me, I'll call him back." So I finally called him back. We went out, but I was feeling, you guys, nothing. I felt nothing but friendship. I felt like, okay, we get along, but that whole spark that I used to have for him was zero. And then um, here's this is another example of, like, God figures everything out, and I don't have to. 
I needed to get surgery on my foot. I needed bunion surgery. So, and yeah, Lucy remembers that because I, I couldn't walk for like, uh, I couldn't get out of bed, it turned out, for six weeks. I could not leave the bed. And I couldn't really walk for a year. I was like hobbling. Anyway, so I thought it was going to be no big deal, this surgery. I was still seeing him, but realizing, you know, I just didn't feel it for him. And he said, can I, uh, what are you doing this week? And I go, oh, I'm getting surgery. Oh, you can come over if you want, but yeah, I won't be able to, to walk much, uh, to do much. Anyway, this man, I ended up needing people in program to come and take care of me and, and feed my dog. I couldn't get up to feed me or my dog. <laughs> People came during the week, and guess who came on the weekends? John. He drove 80 miles each way just to take care of me. And would, here was the part that was the kicker for me. He carried me to the bathtub. He carried me to the bathtub, and I could finally get clean after this week. And it was just so romantic, I fell in love with him again. Who would ever think that having a foot surgery would end up in um, me having a relationship all over with my with my husband, and uh, meanwhile, I was going to another program. He went to um, he went to um, a therapist because he's not one of us, and it's all worked out. Now we've been together again like four years, or three years. I think we've been married three years, and it's wonderful. And it's not like it was the first time, and it it all happened in God's time, and all for me letting go. So I think, what do I have? Like five minutes left. Four minutes? Okay, who has a four-minute question? <laughs> okay, we can just end here. Thank you. Or we can just end. Do you want to end early? Yeah, okay. Let's end early. Thank you for letting me share. Keep coming back.